I'm Paul Sutton, and this is Digital Download, the show where I talk to topic experts on digital marketing, social media, and public relations about the things that matter in today's communications industry. In 1994, a 30-year-old Wall Street worker quit his job to start selling books online from his garage. Twelve years later, a 34-year-old public relations consultant quit his job to start selling luxury pet accessories online from his bedroom. The former was Jeff Bezos. The latter was, well, me. But alas, that's where the similarity ends. While the pet extraordinarium lasted just three glorious years... Amazon went on to become the largest online retailer on the planet, generating $280 billion in revenue in 2019. The world of e-commerce is phenomenal. Last year, the industry grew by 18% to almost $3.5 trillion worldwide. And with COVID-19 driving sales of everything online this year, we can expect that growth to have been accelerated. While it may not be true to say that those retailers without an e-commerce presence are dead in the water, you only have to look at Primark to see why it is so important. The disposable fashion giant went from £650 million per month to zero when the coronavirus forced it to close all of its stores across Europe and the US in March. Primark is hoping to open its stores back up again in June, but with no click and collect or delivery available, will people even visit them? Online marketing through third-party retail sites like Amazon has become a specialist discipline, and today's guest runs Marketplace Amp, an agency that focuses on helping retail businesses to maximise sales across the web. Matt Anderson has worked in marketing communications for 20 years, originally provided FMCG businesses with marketing communication services. But about five years ago, he became intrigued by marketplaces while working with domestic product brand Brabantia. He says that what attracted him was the ability of performance marketing to hit consumers en masse and to study their behaviour. And he also says that marketplace is far more tangible and easier to measure than the communications business. As he saw the explosive results and the direct financial benefit he could bring to a brand, Matt transitioned his agency to focusing exclusively on marketplace. Everyone that works for me within the team, you know, we, we amplify sales and and it's, a, it's an addictive rush, really. I guess the way to describe it is, you know, you see it in real time implementing things and being able to see that instant effect of your, your comms and content, you know, because previously, as, as, you know, as we know, when we were doing sort of back in the traditional comms days that, yes, you get pieces of content. Yes, you get bloggers to cover your, your, your client's work. Yes, you know, you get X amount of likes on a Facebook post, but... What does it mean to the client? So being able to close that loop and see the results, uh, that that really sort of, you know, drove my motivation, that sort of, oh, hang on a minute, you know, <laughs> this is quite powerful. Um, so that's that's what, what, what got me involved in it. If we're talking about optimising products for sales on Amazon or eBay or any other online marketplace, what are the key factors that make something work from an e-commerce perspective? Do they differ significantly from the things that communications are often asked to talk about and sell? Key, as in social, is, is good, good, strong imagery, which obviously a product, the benefits of a product, lifestyle use of a product, you know, that that's that's a given. And majority of sales are made through mobile anyway. So, you know, people when looking on the mobile phone app of Amazon will be 
surfing content image first anyway so that that's a given but i think this rolling back is when people look at marketplace seo inverted commas um people can get het up on the seo element of it but you know way we look at it is really is that market insight is you know what what do your customers want to buy rather than trying to find customers for products that people don't want to buy if you see what i mean uh, i think it's so really understanding your customer and what do they want uh, i think that's you know fundamentally i think that's probably the biggest mistake a lot of people make in e-commerce of trying to to push a square peg in a round hole really um and then wondering why it's not selling so i think yeah i think this having that overview of not just the the technical geekery if you want to a better word but you know what does your customer want is it a product that people want to buy and, and that goes back to that e-tailer thing that i was, I was mentioning start with. so what has really changed in the last five years when it comes to marketplace uh, and performance marketing. Well, uh, my, myself, I've been more doing it for ten years, but certainly in, in, the, in the guys I am, if you're right in saying that, um, what has really changed? I think you know, in, in the world of performance marketing, marketing is the amount of analytics and big data. I think that it's the, the, the number of rich data points that you can get through marketplaces when you're using things like Amazon DSP, for example is phenomenal um, and the number of targeting options, not only just in marketplaces, but also social media, being able to sort of very succinctly and accurately targeting your customer. So that's sort of changed. Overall, so more recently is the the likes of sort of machine learning and, and AI. Uh, so we use um, artificial intelligence software uh, called Dragonfly. So we're based just outside of Cambridge. So there's lots of AI, you know, world leading AI there. And be able to sort of sort of scan digital content with a a, a digital eye almost as the best way to describe it using AI. So it's be able to scan the content like the human eye and pick out content which would contrast and draw the attention and be able to, you know, rather than you, know, you don't have a heat map software on Amazon clearly because they won't let you have that. But you know, be able to use that type of technology is, is really, really cool and very, very effective. Um, and um, you know, the likes of machine learning within e-commerce. Um, so, like or- Amazon's ordering ordering systems. And um, I was talking to a vendor manager over in the states, and he gave an example of sun cream and S- FPF, SPF. Um, and um, you know, country the size of the states, what, what strength of uh, um, suntan lotion do you put in which state? You know, it's a big logistical challenge. So the machine learning could work out that in in Florida, a certain type of um, SPF sun cream would need to be shipped there because there's a high Hispanic uh, community there, and they need a different type of product. So the, you know, their systems would machine learn that type of algorithm to you know we'll have sent X thousand here, there, and everywhere. Um, so I think that you know, those elements are really helping automate and refine that rich data set even more because you know big data is great it's very powerful but anyone who's had to sort of sit through a you know in your case a, a social media listening report for a large brand is thousands and thousands and thousands of lines of data that you know how, how, how do we interpret it you know without having to throw lots of people at it so i think that's that's one of the biggest changes and that's a really that's a, again a really interesting part for, for ourselves Okay, so so moving on a step then, we come into this year, and everything goes crazy. Obviously, yes. What sort of current trends have you have you noticed and been observing over the last 
couple of months because i mean for from my perspective you sit here and see amazon going absolutely ballistic and i know they've hired an extra hundred thousand people and their grocery orders have, have rocketed what are the sort of trends alongside that are you seeing happening well yes certainly um the online grocery market is is hotting up massively and i guess it has been going into covid but that's really caused a huge step change in the way that people are buying um groceries now um so there was always always the sort of techie e-commerce diehards which were buying on on a card and the like previously but now covid has forced a vast amount of the population into shopping on Ricardo and Amazon, Amazon Fresh, and but just buying their staples rather than you know bits of electronic kit and going on ASOS, etc. So that that has changed it massively. So we've seen like subscription models across the board increasing by two, three hundred percent. Okay. Uh, and, and in Amazon's case, you know, subscribe and save is an example of the subscription model. But then you you know you, you've got Gusto on the food sites. You've got various other forms of that. So that increase is going to increase the stickiness of this way of life, essentially. So when COVID touch wood does subside and we all go back to what it would be a relatively new normal, uh, there's still going to be a third, 30 to 40% of people shopping the way they are now or just stay and carry on shopping on, on Amazon, Arcado and the like. So I think that that is a big step change. And that, bearing in mind in the background, going with my retail head on, saying that Christmas is the worst Christmas for retail since 2008 anyway, now you've got the COVID effect combining on that. That that is going to cause a huge effect in bricks and mortar, sadly, um, because we're all changing the way we shop. So I think shopping is going to become more experiential. Um, next, for example, of taking over various Debenham stores and turning into like makeup halls. But I don't think bricks and mortar are going to go away completely, but it's going to be this omni-channel experience of digital and, 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 and offline as well. So even Amazon's doing it with their Amazon Go offering where, you know, you can walk into a store with your mobile phone app of Amazon and uh, walk in and pick a product and walk out and it builds your Amazon account. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And the whole click and collect model's getting more and more important because we're not you know, when we do go back working in an office, you know, we're not going to be around to pick up our, our e-commerce orders. So so there's still going to be an element of retail, but how that how the touch points the consumer will change massively, I think. Um and you're going to see Amazon, and I keep on banging about it, will buy a supermarket in the UK and they will roll out Amazon Fresh. Um so you're going to have Amazon Fresh Nicardo slugging it out with the big four supermarkets online as well. So there's going to be that big sort of change within um, grocery. So, you know, Amazon's online grocery arms could produce $70 billion in gross merchandise by 2023, according to their own stat. And how much of this do you think is down to specifically what has happened with COVID in terms of, like, for example, in a lot of other sectors of of marketing, there's a, a a very strong argument to say that all of the changes that are taking place now are not necessarily new. They've just, what COVID has done is accelerate all of those sort of trends and changes. Do you think that's still the case when you talk about things like experiential shopping, for example, and subscription models, which, again, the the whole idea of experiential shopping has has been around for quite a long time. There's been lots of speculation about that. 
The same with subscription. I mean, that's been taking off for a while in, in, for example, the media. So when it comes to this sort of stuff, when it comes to e-commerce, is your view that COVID has just accelerated all these trends or is there anything very, very new that you've seen? Um, I, I think it's, it's just been a massive catalyst, I think. Um, I think it's it's within the space of three or four months, we've moved on how we shop our e-commerce by three or four years almost. It's, it, it's to give you an idea, the amount of traffic that we've been seeing on Amazon, it's, it's almost like having Black Friday every day for the first, certainly for the first month of um, shopping there. So there's a there's a vast increase in audience there that are, are going to be sticky. Has it been a massive step change? No, uh, I didn't think so. I think it's just been a, a massive catalyst of, of accelerating people's behaviour that perhaps weren't as au fait with using online platforms like Ocado, for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely been an acceleration, and and that's going to only speed up the acceleration within. Uh, you know, we've only seen digital transformation in firms with just remote working and things like that in the last few weeks. You know, for what would take these big corporates three or four years to do internal, you know, justifications and and profit loss analysis and everything, they've just had to do it in three or four weeks. I think that's going to accelerate the retailers because they're going to come back to what will be the new norm and the footfall of dropped off will drop off the cliff because the best of the world people aren't going to be all running back into the shopping centre anytime soon. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I totally agree with you. Only you only have to look at what's happening in China now where, you know, restaurants and shops and everything's open, but people aren't really using them that much because, well, why would you? But do you think, I mean, those changes that are happening, do you think all that, that change in consumer behaviour is is something that is very long-term and that habits will set in. Because, I mean, I, I agree with you. This is going to be months before things get end back to, let's say, normal, whatever that is. It, it strikes me there's plenty of time for new things to be ingrained there. Uh, we've already seen with, um, oh, you know, we do a lot of work with an FMCG grocery, so we've already seen with uh, food on the go, for example, you know, sandwiches, snack bars, what have you, sing in single units. Uh, those types of products are, are dropping because people don't want to be sort of going in and out of the supermarket just to grab a newspaper and a sandwich anymore. It's that you know, yeah, yeah. want to go in, do the big shop, get out. And uh, I think there's going to be a lot of that less lurking and uh, sticky time within uh, retail. From an e-commerce perspective, COVID-19 has clearly had a hugely positive effect on demand and has accelerated changes that were already happening. What this means for the high street remains very unclear at this point in time. But it's not all been good news surrounding online purchasing and home delivery. Retailers and manufacturers have had to adapt to overwhelming demand almost overnight, with many items from groceries to bikes and paint to garden furniture being out of stock for weeks on end. Though for the most part, delivery has been exceptionally reliable in part driven by a willingness to understand the demands on career companies and being at home more, and also being a little less demanding and more forgiving. But there are still the things that go astray and tracking that just doesn't work. It's highlighted both the good and the bad delivery companies. And there's also been poor publicity around price gouging, the practice of putting prices up by 30 or 40% in response to sky-high demand. Whether or not this in itself will have a lasting impact on brands is also something of an unknown at the moment. Clearly, you know, there's the old economic demand of, sort of supply and demand rather uh, argument. And, you know, having seen a, a bottle of hand sanitizer 
on uh, Amazon for £16 and a set of weights for, you know, that would be normally 30 quid for 220 odd quid. There are people trying out there to make, trying to make a quick buck, but, you know, from a brand point of view, let's look at some of the brands, you know, Sports Direct, Weatherspoons, et cetera, who have perhaps not made the best commercial decisions during COVID. Think about the long-term, you know, brand damage that that type of activity and behaviour will, will cause your brand. Because when things do calm down and go back to a level of normality, I think there's going to be a huge amount of loyalty to, to brands which have perhaps gone that extra mile to, to help out or or be kind to the customers or, you know, banks that have been, you know, supportive of business, all those types of things. That that long that long term sort of brand equity, as it were, it, it, it will completely outweigh any short term profit that they make. And I have to say, you know, in a lot of the industries that events and across food, a lot of the clients, they've been quite adamant about price gouging and saying, actually, no, this we are now like a, a service to the community. So, you know, within reason, we 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 won't go down that route. So, which I think it's just great. And I mean, your your opinion as well. I mean, I think you match me, and you think there is long term brand damage to doing that sort of stuff. And some of the ex- examples you've cited. Yes, so, so, you know, brands um, have to really weigh out, you know, what 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 short term gain versus long term pain, really. Okay, so let's try and look on a bit past the current crisis. Then, from an e-commerce sense, what's your feeling about what the new normal? I know this is a very overused phrase, but what the new normal is going to be for e-commerce and marketplace and all that side of things? Well, I think um, certainly the new normal, uh, and we talked about perhaps the apprehension of people using shopping centres and retail, in, in, in the, certainly in the short to medium term, is the new normal. It's, it's more ways of being able to enrich the online experience. So I think, um, for example, uh, a VR, which is... Um, it also been accelerated because of we're all locked down and at home that anyone that's tried to buy a, a VR uh, headset for their gaming console you know, knows that they're like hen's teeth. So, And the software is starting to emerge now and the facilities that where you can actually have a picture with a webcam of your, of, of your body, uh, it measure your dimensions and then you go, well, actually, I'd like to try that shirt on and it will map it over your body. So you can actually look how to see various bits of fashion, apparel, makeup, etc. look on your body, which can be quite fun, uh, I guess. Um, but also, um, you know, provide an opportunity for fashion online retailers to reduce their number of returns, which is a big issue with e-commerce profitability. So I think that's one area that's going to move on. So be able to sort of tailor your web experience to you know real life look and feel homewares using vr you know how does that table chair etc look in my room you know you could actually have that so i think that's all software which is um if i'm honest i think in the last 18 months some of it seemed quite gimmicky but now all of a sudden make a lot of sense i think i guess yeah, so yeah whereas people you know, they, you know whereas before you'd be like well, why don't you just go into a shop consumers will be educated and, and you know will learn to use that behavior more so i think that's that's one area in particular uh, i think you know the facial recognition payments with your face uh so you know the on, on, online security so not even have to put your credit card details into your mac or phone or whatever it's just literally scan scan your face and 
pace of that technology is starting to come through from China and lots of Alibaba. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess the final one, I think, and what's sort of close to home, I guess, is um, you know Amazon Air, their R and D facilities just down the road. Um, you know, drones will they take off, or won't they take off, or how long it will be before one goes into an overhead power line? I don't know, but <laughs> <laughs> Amazon already have a service in London called um, Prime Now, so you can order stuff in the morning and arrive in the afternoon the same day. Yes. So that sort of real time delivery that you know my local delivery having locked down here that you know. I can order within 40 minutes from local store or here at my door. So that real-time delivery, I think that's going to stop that, that people's expectations of tomorrow now will seem like an, an age away from a delivery if, if I can get it in a yeah, few yeah, hours. Yeah. So that once, having said that, the caveat is that COVID at the moment, people seem to be happier as long as, long as they get it within a reasonable amount of time. You know, next day isn't such an issue at the moment, but it, it will be. And voice, uh, which is another area that we... Uh, cover and, and sort of venturing in this um be able to buy products with your voice through alexa and, and uh, google and other uh, smart speaker devices organizations like amazon be able to use that rich data to really understand what you like what you don't like whether you're in the home or out the home you know be able to target you in different ways and i think there's that going to be that gdpr and data protection thing which is will, will, there's a risk for the companies at the same time but mm-hmm. equally i know as many people that are quite happy with you know as long as they're going to be targeting me with more relevant ads so i'm quite happy with it but you know it's it, it, there's going to be that pr conflict going along as well i think but so i think those areas of automated experience sort of autonomous drone delivery and voice are the three sort of areas which i think that's sort of like the new the new norm will You'll see these these technologies being accelerated. I think because the, the likes of Amazon are, are, are very cash rich at the moment, they can afford to develop that technology and Alibaba as well and Cardo for that matter. So I think it's um see that those moving on. Many thanks to Matt for helping out on this episode. If you'd like to speak to him, look him up on Twitter. You can subscribe to Digital Download on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like the show, please do leave a review, as this helps others discover the podcast. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.